You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. I think it's so powerful speaking to different people, gathering themes, really listening as well, builds that trust, builds that psychological safety, lets people know who you are, I think as well, and you can open up and let people see that vulnerable human side. Hello and welcome to this week's Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien, and I'm delighted you decided to tune in today. My guest this week is Siobhan Sweeney from HubSpot, and we talk all things diversity, inclusion and belonging. And this show really is for you today. If you're interested in moving beyond kind of a tokenistic box ticking exercise at work to create a lasting diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, initiative support within your organisation. As always, I will be doing a synopsis at the end of some of the key points that we talk about. And there were some bits that I took down that we actually continued the conversation after we stopped recording. So I'll share a little bit more about that at the end as well. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love for you to get involved in the conversation on social media. You'll find all of my social channels on the website happieratwork.ie. LinkedIn tends to be the one that I use most. So if you would like to connect with me there, you're very welcome to do so. Siobhan Sweeney, you are so welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. I think we've been connected on LinkedIn for a year or two, chatting about DCU, chatting about the Masters. And I see you popping up all over the place doing talks and and talking about how great HubSpot is to work and diversity and inclusion. So do you want to give people a little bit of a background as to who you are, how you got into what you're doing? And yeah, we'll take it from there. Brilliant. Thanks, Aoife. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and really looking forward to the chat today. And um, my name is Siobhan Sweeney. I use the pronouns she, her. In terms of inclusivity, which we're going to be talking about today, I'm just going to give a brief um, visual description of my hair. I of myself, sorry. I have long um, black hair. I have black glasses on today. I have a black collar neck and then I have a cream and navy and there's brains in there um, of a cardigan that I'm wearing today. In terms of my career history, I spend a lot of my growing up, as I'd say, in AIB, Allied Irish Bank, where I held numerous different roles, lots of change and transformational roles. Um, and then my last role in there would have been leading diversity and inclusion. As part of that role, I went out on secondment for a year and a half to set up an amazing non-for-profit called the Open Doors Initiative. And um, I would say that was really when I got to immerse myself working with people from underrepresented groups. So um, asylum seekers, migrants, um, people with all disabilities and disadvantaged youth. So members of the traveling community, ex-offenders, LGBT+. plus. Um, so that was my year and a half that I spent on the comment there. And actually, I got to work with so many amazing different companies as part of that time at the Open Doors Initiative. And one of those was HubSpot. 
um, which I ended up coming out um, and working with HubSpot. So I'm there a year now um, working in a global role, leading diversity, inclusion and belonging. And I'm sure that we're going to get into that in more detail in a few moments. Um, on a more personal level, I am a wife. I'm a mommy of three kids, a 12, 11 and nine. And I work, I'm, I'm calling in today from my home office here in Dublin. Brilliant. Yeah. And I think like, like you say, maybe a great place to start is having a look at what those terms actually mean to you. Uh, this idea of diversity, inclusion and belonging, because, you know, the, some of the different stories I've heard about what they mean, but I'd love to, to get your perspective on the difference between them and why they're important at work. Yeah, I think that's actually a great place to start. And when I'm doing presentations as well, I would always start off with explaining the definitions as well, Aoife, because I think that's, I think that it, we can all have a different perception of what diversity, inclusion and belonging mean to all of us. So when I look at diversity, it's embracing difference and that's all types of difference. And when I think about inclusion, it's feeling welcome, feeling part of a group, feeling like you can bring yourself to that group. And then when I think of belonging, it's more so tapping into that psychological safety where I feel like my voice can be heard, where I feel like I'm respected, where I feel like I belong and where I can feel like I can show up and do my best work. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Love those as, as definitions. Um, and when you were talking there about the inclusion, about feeling welcome, I was like, oh, where's she going to go now with this idea of belonging? <laughs> um, you know, because it's, it's slightly nuanced then. So belonging is the sense that you feel like it's OK that you can speak up. And I know psychological safety is something I've spoken about a few times um, in previous episodes of the podcast. I'd love to know then from your perspective, maybe from any research that you've done, any companies that you've worked with, why is it so important? And, you know, is there maybe is there such thing as too much diversity as well? Yeah, I think that I think that it, the way that we are now coming out of COVID-19, we were remote for such a long time. Now we're still in the bridge of that hybrid, wor hybrid world and organizations trying to figure out their ways of working and what's going to work best for them now going into the future. I think that when it comes to diversity, inclusion, belonging, but especially inclusion and belonging, I think that's more important than ever now as we, as we interact with people and as we interact with our colleagues and uh, with our teams on a day-to-day -day basis, I I think it's integral. Um, one of the things actually that's that's come up a lot around this, Eva, is leaders reevaluating their leadership styles, which I think is is so important actually. And I was only speaking to somebody last week about this, and I was talking about when I'm in a room and when I'm presenting. I use my body language a lot. I use my hands. I tend to walk around when I'm presenting. It's very different when you're doing that and when you're going through a slideshow when you're when you're presenting to to your colleagues all on Zoom or Teams or whatever platforms you use. Um, and I think that's that's said as well for when you're having one-to-one -one, um meetings with colleagues as well. And in terms of that communication style, so I've I've definitely noticed that a lot of leaders are commenting on reevaluating the way that they would communicate and also bring in bringing about a more human centered approach 
to their conversations. Like you will know before when you're in an office, people don't know about your home life or what's going on. Mm. But since we've all been working from home, we've had multiple different distractions go. And if you haven't had distractions, you're very lucky. But like in my case, working from home, I've had my kids come in or my dog barking or somebody coming to the door where that opens up the personal side of our lives Mm. a lot more as well and brings about who we are as humans and our real authentic selves to the to the forefront. Um, And that's something that I know that my leaders have talked about a lot more and tapping into that more Mm. to get best not only out of themselves, but to get the best out of their teams as well. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of like, I know you've done a lot of research in this area. Have you seen anything that equates, you know, why why should someone embrace these types of changes at work? For so many different reasons. And there's so much research now out, out there. I've, I've done it myself as well in terms of why it's so important to tap into diversity, inclusion and belonging. It will increase your, you will increase your profits, number one. It will, the more diversity that you have within your organization, it will increase your market share. I've noticed that customers want to see it more. Um, Customers want to know, do the people that you have working for them resemble them? Um, Mm. Are are your employees like the customers that we serve on a day-to-day basis, stakeholders, Stakeholders are demanding it more. And then it brings around so much better decisions and innovation. We know from, even I'm going to go back to my days in in the bank, financial crash. One of the main findings that came out of the the Central Bank of Ireland was down to homogeneous teams and that group think that was present. Mm -hmm. So the more diversity that we have, the better. In saying that, Aoife, it doesn't come easy. When you bring people together that are from different cultures, um, different backgrounds, and you pop everybody together. It's not like this innovation and and, and great decisions um, and blue sky thinking are all going to just pop out and start to happen automatically. It doesn't work like that. It takes takes time. It It takes effort. And it definitely takes a lot of focus from the leaders to make sure that they're actually getting the best out of their team and nurturing mm. that talent that they have there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so glad you said that. And you brought up this idea of homogeneous teams as well, which is something that came up in the research I did as part of my master's. Just for anyone who doesn't know, we did the same master's, but we did it at different times. And so we were kind of chatting about findings and, you know, like <laughs> what, what was the course like, all of this kind of stuff. Um, but that was one of the things, like when I was looking at values, a, a big piece of the research was, if you bring people together who are all alike, you know, what happens then in the organization is that it becomes slower, it becomes underperforming. There is this mentality of groupthink, and maybe people don't feel safe to speak up because this is how we've always done things. And I don't really feel safe to challenge how things are being done here. And um, so it's really interesting that you bring that up and it's kind of addressed by this sense of belonging. I'm also so glad that you said that it's not easy like it's not a case of just bringing a whole load of people together and then plonking them together and it's all going to magically appear. You actually have to have leadership skills in place to be able to extract that. And, you know, kind of going back to to my earlier point about this idea of values, the, the thing that came out there was if you bring people 
with similar values. So you're assessing people based on their values, not based on their background, not based on their skills, but based on the values that they have. And check also for diverse thinking. So do people think differently? You know, you, your background is in a bank. You came from a bank. There's probably people from lots of different areas in HubSpot who came from loads of different industries and they bring that thinking with them. They're thinking a little bit differently. Um, Maybe they have different backgrounds to yourself. All of these things I think can happen. So any thoughts initially on that before we move on to like, well, how do we, how do we do something about it? Yeah, I think that, I think that a lot of organizations want that and like the idea, just as, Mm. as you're even talking about that, they like the idea of innovation. They like the idea of bringing together better blue sky thinking and better decisions um, but, and, and uh, there is, there's a big but there, that investment isn't always made when it comes to nurture. Even though we know that, that as we talked about, Aoife, the findings are there in terms of this is what our customers want. This is what our stakeholders want. It'll bring us more profit. It'll, it'll make us, it'll make us better as a, as a business and, and increase our shareholder value. Although we know all the positives are there, I haven't seen it that in fo- that full investment across the board yet from customers, from from businesses. Sorry, and it is very much a journey, and there's not a final destination. I I've been in this work for a long time now, and there's no final destination. When you read all of these books or you do X amount of research, you're going to know everything. That's not the case. It's constantly when it comes to when it comes to people when it comes we're we're constantly evolving and there's Mm. better ways to do things and that's why we always need to I guess keep on top of the research and continue to learn and be inquisitive but the one thing that I would say is organizations need to move past the tick boxing exercise of this is a this is great and this is we're going to have diversity and inclusion in our organization. And these are all the things that we're going to do and have that down on paper or as part of as part of their website, but not actually do anything mm. substantial about it. Because yeah. if you're just saying that your, your staff know, your employees know, your customers will soon know that it's only tokenistic in terms of what you're actually talking about. Yeah. And that's, it's so funny that you say that because there's a few things that kind of pop up for me. And this is the, first of all, related to the research I did and the work that I do with the organization in organizations in relation to values. And that's, they say one thing on their website and they say one thing across social media. They put things out there saying, these are our values. But when you get to the organization, when you're actually in there and experiencing the behavior of the people who work there, it's, it doesn't align with what they've said that the values are. There's a complete and utter mismatch. So that's the first thing that kind of springs to mind. And then the second thing is we, we touched on it very briefly before we started recording is this, what I've seen a lot, um, uh, of people talking about is greenwashing. And then just yesterday, I think it was, I saw someone post about wellbeing washing when people say, Oh, this is such a great place to work. We have a great life, work-life balance and you're going to, you're going to be really looked after here. And you get into the organization and you realize that they're understaffed and that's not the case at all. And you're going to have to end up working hours and hours. So like, is it the same with diversity then? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. As part of my research, 
um, that I did when I was doing my dissertation, I looked at why organizations are getting involved in diversity and inclusion strategies, Aoife. And this was, this was a real eye-opener for me. I feel that when it comes to diversity, inclusion, blogging, it's part, of, it's part of my DNA now. I was so intrigued by talking to, I interviewed 25 people, um, right from CEOs to chief people officers, trickling down the whole way through organizations to get a real feel. And this was this was um, multinational organizations as well, to get a real feel of what, why they were involved, first of all, and what it actually meant and how it transpires within the organization. And my main finding that came out of the research was that it was that it was tokenistic that people, Mm. that the organizations were doing it because they wanted it to be part of their mission statement and have on their company website. Another reason was they wanted to win deals with their customers. And this was something that customers were looking for when it came to diversity and inclusion. Um, And then also was really interesting. Some people spoke about um, their actual leaders within within their departments actually trying to sway them away from being involved in employee resource groups and telling them to concentrate on their main job, that that will get them the promotion or that will get them to the next level. The additional um, involvement with ERGs wouldn't. So it was it was very eye-opening in terms of hearing it, um, hearing people's perspectives. Also a main thing that came out of it especially the more senior you went up in the organization was fear. Fear was a a huge one of almost backing away from diversity and inclusion because people were so scared of doing or saying the wrong thing that some senior leaders just shied away away from it completely so they wouldn't Mm -hmm. find themselves um, in a situation that they didn't want to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, did they kind of expand on what that might be? Like, what what were they afraid of, or is there something in particular that they were afraid of saying? Yeah, so there was there was lots of there was lots of different things. Terminology was a was a big one. Um, certain people felt that there was so much terminology and almost to the point of jargon that they didn't know what it actually mm. meant, and they were scared to ask questions and ask questions in a big group. Um, because they felt as a senior leader within the organization, they actually should know about it. That was actually probably the the really, one of the main things that came up was around the terminology. Um, Mm. And and also fear of saying something to a person um, in case it was taken up the wrong way um, and that they would get brought up in front of HR then for, Mm. uh, for saying something that was inappropriate. So instead yeah. of saying anything to a person, they would just totally shy away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shying away from having those sometimes difficult conversations yeah. um, in case that they in case they say the wrong thing and get brought up, you know, yeah. there's no greater fear of being brought up to HR because you've said the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really, it was really interesting and just hearing yeah. it from different people's perspectives. And yeah. One of the main things for me I did that was meeting people where they actually are on the journey. Um, yeah. And when it comes to organizations, 
even though you might want to jump to a certain place and roll out all of this this training, your organization might not be ready for that. And that's okay. Yeah. It's getting this getting a consensus from your stakeholders in terms of where they're at, listening and actively listening, not listening to what you want to actually hear, um, listening to where they're at um, and, and meeting them there. So like that, that's something that I did when I came into HubSpot, really worked with the teams, really listened to what they needed. And a lot of the things that I started doing were AMA sessions, like Q&A sessions, talking about my old background, my history, like we're having a conversation now, Aoife, and then inviting mm. people to ask questions, um, to ask maybe it was different terminology, to ask about disclosure, reasonable accommodations, and mm. getting more getting more conversation flowing around the topic. Um, and just something just something that you said a few minutes ago was when you were talking about values. And where the organization thinks their values are, where they actually really are. Mm. That's that's one of the things at a HubSpot that I absolutely love is diversity, inclusion, belonging. It's one of our strategic priorities set out by, by our CEO, Yamini. She has five strategic priorities. Diversity, inclusion, belonging is one of those. But I don't have to be in the room for my leaders to talk about DNI. It's ingrained mm. in everything that they do. It's part of the conversation now. So it's there, which makes it really, really authentic. But more so mm. than that, it enables teams to be able to talk about it more because they know that they have that buy-in from leadership. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack there with what you're saying. And, and I love this idea that it's about meeting people where they are on the journey. And, you know, the temptation, I think, with with someone like myself, especially, is I know I know what I want to do when I'm working with organizations in relation to um, values and, and happiness at work in general. And I want to kind of jump there straight away. But I love this idea of listening to, to where people are and seeing where they are on the journey. What, um, maybe taking a, a step back before we move on to the solution, but what is the impact then that if people are afraid of saying the wrong thing and they're not having those conversations um, because of that, what's the impact on the organization of if something like that happens? You're not getting the best out of people. You're not, and I know, and I know some people don't like talking about bringing your whole selves to work or don't believe that you can bring your whole selves to work. And when I think about bringing your 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 whole self to work. I don't mean I don't mean bringing the kitchen sink and my three kids and everything into the room here with me. When I think about bringing my whole self to work, I think about bringing the best of Siobhan to work and how I'm coming mm. up today. Yeah, and and that's the way I think about it. I think that if people have if people have that fear or if they have questions that they don't feel that they can ask. Well, then they're not bringing their their best self to work every day when they have all of this muddling over in their head. Um, and maybe that's for a variety of different reasons, Aoife. Maybe that's because they don't feel like that their leader is listening to them. Maybe that they don't feel like they have that, that psychological safety to speak up, to learn, to contribute um, without people maybe having perceptions of them. So there's, I think that there's so many things that you can you can dive into in terms of the the why then, why people don't feel that they can um, ask these questions. 
If you are a longtime listener to the Happier at Work podcast, you will have heard me speak previously about my signature Happier at Work program. The program has now moved beyond the pilot phase and it's for organizations who want to maintain a really great culture that they already have. They know that their staff are really, really important and they want to retain staff for as long as possible and drive a sense of better engagement at work. Overall, ultimately, what the program does is create a happier working environment using research-backed methods. What that means is we look at the current state of play, what needs to change, and then we measure the effectiveness of that change during the program and also when the program finishes. The program itself is very practical and it is designed with coaching as well in order to embed the learning into the organization. I love this idea of it's, you know, and, and this has come up a lot on the podcast recently, actually, this idea of the whole self and, and the whole self is not like I'm bringing all of my anger with me and that's just who I am. It's about bringing your whole self. But I love this idea that it's bringing your best. It's actually bringing your best to work and being able to perform at your best because you feel like you're being listened to because you're in that psychologically safe environment. And, you know, with the work I do around imposter syndrome, with the work I do around values, what I find is that we expend so much energy if we have imposter syndrome, we're trying to conceal it in some way. We're overworking. We're trying to con- we're trying to hide and we spend so much energy doing that kind of stuff. If you're in an environment where your values don't align or they're, they're saying that the values are one thing, but they're behaving in a very different way, trying to mask who you are takes up so much energy that could be spent working, that could be spent not worrying and you know, it just uses up so much of our resources by trying to conceal ourselves or, or trying to hide who it is that we are. Yeah, absolutely. All that worry and anxiety that we're putting in if we're not bringing the best version of us uh, mm. to where, wherever wherever we're going, if that's logging on remotely or going into the office, I think, yeah, there's there's so much there that we could actually tap into. And then maybe we'll move on more to the solution. So if this is the case, you know, if we're meeting companies where they are on that journey, what are the, some of the things, I love this idea that you're talking about doing a Q&A, doing an ask me anything, like any other yeah. maybe first steps that people can take on on this journey? Yeah. One of the first things that I did when I when I came into the, the team here and it's a, it's a, a global, my remit is global. So it's EMEA, the Americas and JPAC. One of the first things that I did for each of the regions that I was working with was just do a listening tour. And I just think that's just so powerful. Meeting with different people from the region and again, confidential conversations, but gathering all the themes and what are the key themes that are coming out of those conversations for for each of the different regions. And you will definitely see, well, you should definitely see different trends. I know that I I have. And, and it just enables you to get a clear idea of where you will need to focus and where your energy should go. I know we, we, we talked about it there a few minutes ago. Sometimes you might have loads of ideas in terms of where you want to go and where you, hmm. where you really want to dive into. But by doing this, it it can also highlight and pop out areas where you really need to where you really need to focus your energy on first or it could be working with leaders within that within that region to con- concentrate on initiative 
you might need to put in straight away if there if there's something burning um there but that comes out of I, I think it's so powerful speaking to different people gathering themes getting really listening as well builds that trust builds that psychological safety lets people know who you are I think as well and you can open up um and let people see that vulnerable human side um and yeah I think that definitely gets you supporters and not only that it allows people then to reach out to you when you start to build that one-on-one trust as well with people if they have queries or they want to do something within their region and so that's mm. one of the first things that I would say definitely do the listening tour work with your leaders then as well within the area see what's been done in the past because there could be different initiatives that have run in the past see if there's any measurement in terms of what was the success of those um, initiatives that have pre- previously ran before you or if you're starting if you're starting a scratch work with the leaders to see what they what their ideas are what they would like to do um, and I definitely think by as well um, if you can have focus groups and small focus groups where people can share their thoughts and their opinions with you and then I love starting off then with an, with a Q&A session or an AMA session if you have questions lined up already um, and then open it up to the audience then to ask questions and yeah that was definitely that's that there are definitely a, a few um, a few things that you can do to to start the journey. Yeah. I mean, so I think with a lot of things, the listening part is is so important. And one of the more recent things that I'm thinking of and that I'm encountering with the organizations I work with is they're struggling with this um, shift to hybrid or bringing people back into the office. And every organization is looking to see what other organizations are doing and they want to kind of emulate that. They want to copy that. And what works best is if you ask your people, <laughs> what do they think is working? What's not working? What will work? And try and navigate it from that perspective rather than trying to take a framework of something that someone else has already done and apply it into a situation that might be very, very different. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, you know, we could apply the, the same thinking to this particular situation when it comes to diversity and inclusion. It's not about taking a framework and, and doing it all the same. It's about listening to what people say. What ideas do they have? What has been tried before? Maybe it was the wrong time then. Maybe we could try it now and it's the right time. Yeah. Um, you know, you're further along on on that journey. And I'd love to know, like, do you have any particular milestones that, that are recognized a- along this journey? Like, I mean, for me, with most things, it starts with an awareness of what's actually what the current situation is. And then we we sort of take it from there. Yeah. And um, we're we're really lucky. Um, Eva at HubSpot, there is a huge investment in people. And it's not it's actually it's not like any other organization where I've ever worked before in terms of how much investment is there and how much people mean to us within HubSpot. So within people operations, we actually have a culture team, we have an ESG team, and we have a diversity and inclusion team. So we have practitioners. So just like you would have your HRBPs within organizations, we have diversity and inclusion leaders that are assigned to different areas of the business. So all of us practitioners would work with different areas of the business and actually meet them where they're at. 
So for marketing, for customer success, for sales and so on. And then we have another half of the business that works with our communities. So our communities are other um, employee resource groups and they would look at really creating communities within HubSpot to whatever groups that people align with, whether that's our Black Hub, our People of Colour group, our Women at. And I know then on the more functional side, as I was talking about with the practitioners that we have that work with each of the business areas, again, it's gender. Gender focus has been a huge one for us to make sure that we're getting to parity. And um, as a company, we're extremely close to that. Um, we've, there's, there's huge strides that have been made there. We focus on, there's a huge focus on underrepresented groups as well um, within HubSpot, including people of colour, LGBTQI+. So all of that is measured on a consistent basis in terms of how we're doing. And we would really, really, we would work really, really close with the leadership teams within those departments. Then on a yearly basis, we publish our diversity and inclusion report that's published on our website as well. So everybody can see um, and go through the progress that we're making year on year when it comes to looking at diversity, inclusion and belonging as a whole um, and see the progress that we're making. But again, as I talked about, it's we all play that part. It's not just the diversity and inclusion team. As I talked about, when it's a strategic priority within the organisation, Every it's everybody's job. It's not just ours to make sure that we're moving the the dial in terms of the progress that we're making. But also in the environment that we have now, um, the way the macro environment is and the way the talent is as well. Like there is such a huge focus on hiring the best of the best talent in. And mm. so we have we have um, amazing talent. We want to make sure that we're retaining that talent. And something that we talked about um a lot at the start, Eva, was when we were talking about it being a tick um, box exercise or greenwashing for wellness or for DNI. That's something that comes a lot, that's something that comes up a lot from a recruitment process when we're interviewing people. I'm finding that more and more people want to know, well, what are you doing with diversity, inclusion and belonging? Mm. What does that look like? How can I be involved when I come into your organization? And that's yeah. from the wellness perspective as well. Like, tell me, is there really unlimited personal time off? Does that really exist? Mm. We have a week off as well where our company shuts down in July. Um, and that's one of our um, mitigations against burnout. We all shut down laptops. And people can add on to that if they want to as well. But I'm noticing that more and more potential candidates, new hires want to know, is this really real when they're coming through? And and if it's not, I think that if it's not for organizations and if there is that it's only a tick box, more and more and more people, especially that top talent, are happy to walk away from jobs. It's not yeah. a career where you are there for your life or anymore. Definitely not like and maybe three to four years now um, in one job and then people move on to the next. But if it's not what it says on the tin, people people move on. Yeah, I think it's very telling, Siobhan, that they, they're they asking, is this really real? And it like to me, it suggests that maybe they've been burned in the past where yeah. they've gone through this recruitment process and they've the company has made a lot of promises and it, the, the situation hasn't turned out to be... Um, what they thought it was initially. And so now they need to double check, like, is this actually, you know, you say that this is the case, but is it really? And and I think 
from an individual's perspective, if they're going for a role somewhere, there are ways to figure out, like you can tell whether people are just sort of going along with it, that they're really desperate to get you in the into the organisation versus if they're like, OK, and we have this programme and we have this and we publish our diversity statistics. And, you know, it, it, it's really important for us to to promote that type of culture here. Um, but, you know, again, this sort of ties in with the, the research I did around values and when people decide, not everyone decides to to leave an organization. I have done it in the past and I've talked about that um, on, on the podcast. I've done it a couple of times where this is not a, a good fit for me. So I, I walked away. Um, but there's people who will stay in that situation um, ongoing and, you know, it, it's disruptive to the organization. Um, but the, the other thing I think worth considering is, like you were saying, the best of the best talent, they have options. And even if it's like it's a, it's a quite a buoyant market at the moment for from a candidate's perspective, it's, um, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of jobs going. So um, but even when it's not such a candidate's market, people who are really good and in high demand will have absolutely no problem leaving an organization. So yeah, yeah. I suppose it's it's never to think that it's okay to to not have these initiatives in place because it's it's you know people are desperate for jobs and, and we can kind of treat people however however we want we can treat people like they're a number as opposed to a human being as opposed to an individual yeah uh, yeah i absolutely i couldn't i couldn't agree i couldn't agree more brilliant love that we've we've talked about why diversity is important we've talked about the impact that it has when it's not in place and we've touched on steps to take in order to make it happen. Is there anything else that we haven't kind of covered that you wanted to get across in relation to diversity and inclusion at work? Yeah, I think I think one of the probably the things that we haven't gone into in a lot of detail is, a, again, kind of linking it back to what we were talking about in terms of window dressing. But in terms of the initiatives that organisations are taking when it comes to um, diversity, inclusion, belonging. I would say, again, when it comes to celebrating days, I know like International Women's Day, um, Pride, whatever it is, just make sure that it's that it's authentic in the way that you're doing it and that you that it's that you're living and breeding it within your organization. So if it's I would probably reverse by saying, what's the impact of the days that you're celebrating um, and the why? Because otherwise, why are you doing it? That would be one of the, the things that I would say. So again, like the different initiatives that we want to roll out within our organization, it comes back to the why. Like, why are we doing it? Is it the right time? Are we doing it just because we think our customers will want to see it? Are we doing it because we think we have to do it for our employees? And then again, what's the impact? I think that when it comes to when it comes to looking at the things that we are doing, sometimes we do a lot of things and there isn't the return on investment in the mm. things that we're doing. Um, and then again, it can also if if there's any people that are on the fence when it comes to diversity and inclusion, um, we're we're get, we again we mightn't be showing real value if we're only doing certain days within the the calendar year. Again, it comes back to the why that you're doing things and how you're getting return on investment for the bottom line as well. I think is is so so important. 
and you're bringing people on that journey with you. Um, because if we're only doing, if we're only celebrating days, we're not actually going on a journey within our organization. Mm. It's more so window dressing that we're actually doing. Yeah, yeah, really good point. And I was going to like what what sort of sprang to mind when you mentioned about doing oh. the days was, but are you doing anything for the rest of the year? Exactly. Or are you just saying this one day, this is what we're doing, but actually the rest of the year, we're not really doing much to support this this cohort of of diverse people or to support people in general in the organization. So I think that's that's a really valuable point to to share based on that. Um, I mean, we could probably spend a whole other podcast episode talking about the ROI and how to measure the ROI. And for me, it comes back to well, why are you doing this in the first place? What is, what is it that you're trying to achieve by implementing these initiatives? And, you know, it could be food for thought that someone who's listening today is trying to jump ahead on the journey rather than listening to where they really are currently and how to take that, that kind of the change a little bit more slowly, smaller steps. Uh, and listen to what people want um, on on that journey. Like my background is in research and data analytics. So when I did the the masters and was doing all the the research around that stuff, like my eyes just lit up. Not everyone loves spreadsheets and data, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> um, so like looking at impacts and turning that into a story of how it has impacted on an organisation. That's something that really really lights me up, and I think it's really important to consider the. The why, like, why are you actually doing this? And, you know, again, going back to earlier in the conversation, when people are doing it for selfish reasons, like maybe the selfish reasons aren't always bad reasons, but really it's in the interest of the organization to have these types of initiatives. But it's also in the interest of individuals because we feel more fulfilled at work. And, you know, I suppose the whole premise of this podcast is that people feel happier at work. And when you feel happier at work, then you're you're happier in lots of other aspects of your life as well, because we spend so much of our time doing work that, you know, if you could be happier for those eight hours a day or whatever it might be, that spills into every aspect of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that as well, just just to add to what you had just said there, Aoife, if we want to skip ahead, we want to, if people are thinking, okay, well, I, we haven't done much, let's just skip ahead and, um, and and get ourselves even halfway down the road. It's, as I mentioned already, it's all about that journey. And hmm. if you decide that you want to skip ahead and be halfway on that road already, you haven't brought that people on the journey with you. You're just going there yourself. And the most important yeah. thing that you do is you bring people along the way because one person, one person themselves can't change your whole organization and the way that they do things. You need everybody. Everybody has a part to play in that. Um, everybody has a role within bringing diversity, inclusion and belonging along. Um, and that's why we need to kind of meet people where they are at in order to move along. And that's and that's in terms of everything that we're doing, like that we talked about the why there and the impact. There's no point just celebrating calendar days if you're not going to do anything else. The, like mm. the the we don't we hire people in because they're good talent. They're going to ask questions just like mm. we would in terms of, well, why are we do, doing this like just today and we don't do anything else? Like what are we linking it back to? What's our overall 
what's our overall uh, North Star that we actually want to get to as an organization? What does that look like? And are we telling our staff that? Are we telling them where we want to go and the steps that we're going to take to make that happen? Because if we don't, people won't be coming along that same journey with us. And we'll be hmm. wondering why then we're not picking up followers along the way and bringing them with us and why more and more people aren't getting involved or raising their hands to speak up and to yeah. role models. Un- unless we do that groundwork and unless hmm. we actively listen and meet people where they are, th- th- that's not going to be possible. I love that. And it's left me feeling really inspired and uh, and excited for the, the future as well. Um, and again, it probably could be a whole other podcast episode talking about bringing people on that journey and storytelling. Like I know in some previous podcast episodes, we've talked about the power of storytelling, especially when it comes to business and people, when they feel emotions about things, then they can really get behind it rather than seeing kind of stats and figures. When you can talk about and share individual people's stories, I think it makes a huge, huge difference at work. Absolutely. It definitely Mm -hmm. does. I think the more real that you can be and the more authentic especially with storytelling. I was only talking to somebody about this as well the other day, storytelling and the power of it. People worm to you and people want to know more and people are interested in learning there as well when you're talking about it from your own personal experience rather than theory or research, reading it in a book. The more authentic that we can make we can make in terms of storytelling, the better it is. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, now, Siobhan, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? Being happy at work to me means doing what I love to do to the best of my ability. So showing up, doing up, doing diversity and inclusion work with leaders um, and, and doing it to the best of my ability with, with no boundaries really in place or... Um, yeah, not feeling like I have any boundaries or walls around me. Getting to mm. work, getting to work, and and be my best when I show up every day. Um, and bringing my, my authentic self, the best version of Siobhan, to the table. Love that, love it. So, yeah, I mean, going back to what you had said earlier, it's about this showing up as your best self and being in an environment where it's okay to to do that. Absolutely, yes. Mm. And if people want to reach out, if they want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about what you do, find out more about HubSpot, what's the best way they can do that? They can do that through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. So Siobhan Sweeney, you can find me on LinkedIn. And then also, if you want to check out HubSpot, you can check out our website and go on to our career portal as well. We're hiring at the moment. There's lots of great roles there so people can go on and have a look. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think people can consider when it comes to D, D, now let me say DEI and B initiatives. So diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, any of those kind of topics. And um, there's so many things that, that, that I think will spark some, a bit of inspiration in people listening today. So really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate you having me on. That was Siobhan Sweeney from HubSpot and I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. As per usual, I'm going to be doing a synopsis and I suppose thinking about it, I've gotten some great feedback on on doing these summaries at the end and I'm happy to do them. It's something I quite enjoy, something I'm I'm 
been told I'm quite good at, but really it's to help with the learning. So rather than just listening to the podcast episode, it's about hearing again what some of the key points were and what are some of the immediate action steps that you can take to affect change in your own organisations. So I do hope that you are taking advantage of this, that you're getting the benefit from it as well. Another way to do that as well is to get involved in the conversation on social media. Typically, I would post on LinkedIn as well as Instagram about all of the key points from the episodes that I put out there. And do feel free to comment, to, you know, ask questions or anything like that. I also go live weekly on LinkedIn. I'm mixing it up these days with uh, either a video or audio live, audio being that you can come up to a stage and ask questions and a a little bit more interactive. But the the downside is that it's live only, whereas the video LinkedIn lives, it's harder to ask questions, though you can put comments in that are read out. Um, But you can watch the replay, which is a a really great benefit. And you can also ask questions in the replay as well, um, which is great. Now, back to today's episode. Now, we kind of started talking about some of the definitions. So diversity being embracing difference. So people's differences then inclusion is about feeling welcome and then belonging about tapping into that psychological safety. And I know certainly this concept of psychological safety has come up again and again on the podcast. It's so, so important to create that environment where people feel safe, that they feel they can speak up, that they can challenge how things are currently being done. The second point I wanted to make on this then is that it's not easy. It tends to be a journey and there's no destination that you suddenly arrive at and you know you you've made it. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about was this idea that organisations like the idea of innovation and blue sky thinking. They like the idea of all of the benefits that are associated with what we were talking about with diversity and inclusion and creating an an organisation of belonging, essentially. But the investment isn't always made in nurturing that kind of environment in order to create that environment where people will really thrive at work. And really, it's about knowing where you are on that journey before you can start making any sort of changes. We talked about this idea of, uh, you know, some organisations are are moving beyond this tokenistic box ticking. I know certainly in my own experience, I've seen a lot of organisations that just want to tick a box that they've got someone in to talk about well-being, that they've got someone in to talk about some of the challenges around diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. But it, they're not doing something in the longer term to drive home those changes, to actually make that paradigm shift towards the kind of environment that supports that. One of the things I really liked about uh, what Siobhan said today was this idea of a listening tour. So having confidential conversations with people and understanding what are some of the key themes that are happening around the organisation. It shows, I suppose, from both sides, this more vulnerable human side at work. And that's something that I think is really, really important when it comes to creating these kinds of environments is the permission to be human at work and to be able to bring your whole self to work as well. 
Now, perhaps some of the questions that you might ask when it comes to this subject of diversity and inclusion is thinking for your own organisation, why is it actually important in the first place? What is the impact of it when it's not in place? And how do we actually go about doing it? So some questions to kind of, I suppose, leave you ponder and think about, well, what does that mean specifically for me? Whereabouts are we as an organisation on this journey and what can we do about it? What is the next step that we need to take in order to make this a reality? Another thing that really came through from the conversation is that it's not a one person's job to really drive this. Everyone has a role to play in creating this kind of environment. So don't feel like you have to do it by yourself. It's really about bringing the bringing people on that journey with you through those questions. You know, why is it important to us? What's the impact of not having it and how do we actually go about doing it? So so actually asking people those questions, I think, can be a huge benefit to you. Now, I did promise that we were going to share what we spoke about um, after we stopped recording. And this was this idea of uh, employee resource groups. And I know certainly I have been involved when I worked in corporate in employee resource groups supporting LGBTQI and also uh, women the women's resource group as well. So the ERGs. But, you know, it's thinking about how to use them strategically. And certainly from my own experience, we didn't really have the investment behind what we wanted to do, how we wanted to educate people. And it's one thing to have an ERG and to have it set up and for people to be volunteering their time, to be running it, to be setting up events. But it's another thing completely to have the investment and the buy-in and the senior sponsorship behind running those types of groups within organisations in order to really drive the change that you're talking about. So something to really think about, how much are you actually investing? So are you just talking about having diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging at work? Or are you really putting money where your mouth is by investing in employee resource groups to bring those people together and to bring in experts to talk about those kinds of topics and how to actually affect change at work? And certainly I've worked with and quite a number of forward thinking organisations, especially with their women's networks around imposter syndrome. So unlocking that confidence for women, especially at work and and empowering them to succeed, to get to those higher positions that they're really, really after. And I suppose this is just one example of how to use ERGs effectively in organisations. That's it from me today. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. If you have any questions or thoughts of your own, do feel free to get involved in the conversation on social media. Feel free to send me an email directly. All details, you can find them on my website, happieratwork.ie. And I'll be back again next week. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.